excited. I really feel like today that um, there's a message that I am excited to give all of you, really. And it's called Stir It Up. Stir It Up. We're going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7 I'm going to start with. It says, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also." Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. I'm going to talk to you today about stirring it up. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I know you just got all situated with your Bibles and your notebooks, but we're going to stand up, put everything down, because I am a dance teacher. We're going to learn a little dance move. Um, <laughs> I'm not talking about, hey. <laughs> Start doing TikToks up in here. So, <laughs> so every time we have a big bowl, okay, and we got a whisk, and we're gonna stir it up, stir it up. Now get some move in it. Yeah, there we go. Come on, you can lean with it, you can rock with it. Okay. <laughs> All right, I see some talented dancers out there. Some of you just, yeah, you white. Okay. <laughs> So we're going to stir it up today. All right, let's just remain standing. We're going to pray, okay? God, I thank you for this moment in time. I thank you for everything that you are to us and do for us. I pray that you open up our hearts to what you would say today. Take me out of the equation. More of you, less of me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So stir it up. Do you ever hear the famous last words? Do you ever hear that saying? Famous last words, right? Frank Sinatra was said to die, said, died after saying, I'm losing it. Harriet Tubman was dying in 1913, and she gathered her family around, and they sang together, and her famous last words are said to be, swing low, sweet chariot. As Benjamin Franklin lay dying at the age of 84, his daughter told him to change position in bed so that he can breathe more easily. And his last words are said to be, a dying man can do nothing easy. So when we read out of Second Timothy, this is said to be Paul's last letter before he was going on to be beheaded. Paul is writing his final letter to his successor, his mentee, which this college believes in having a mentor and believes in mentoring other people. And I love that. So Paul's writing to someone that he's mentoring, Timothy. His, we all know that Paul's life was supernaturally changed, and, and throughout it he faced many challenges. So now he's in prison for speaking the gospel of Christ, and he knows that his time is about to end. And Paul, he wasn't getting out of prison, so he used his time, his very last time on earth, to write these words to Timothy to edify the body of Christ. Now that alone is a lesson because no matter where you are in life, you can still be used by God. So he writes this letter to Timothy and he says, listen, you have genuine faith. You, you know, 
your mom and your grandma, you can thank for that. How many of moms and grandmas that prayed you right here in this moment, right? So he's saying, you can thank your mom and your grandma for that. But I want to remind you to stir up the gift that is in you by when I laid my hands on you. Don't get comfortable. Don't get stagnant. Don't stop. Stir it up. Paul's telling Timothy that the ongoing existence of your gift is dependent on your obedience to stir it up. One version says to fan the flame. What happens when you have a campfire and you don't attend to it? It eventually dies, right? You got to fan the flame. You have to stir it up. But in order to stir that gift up, you have to realize something. We have to realize, and this is my first point, that you have a gift that can be stirred. You have a gift. My favorite thing to discover in people is what their gifts are. And I'm sure if I sat down with every single one of you, each one of you has a unique calling, a unique gift on your life. I love that God has given us a unique gift to honor and to further his kingdom. I think that's amazing. Chris Hodges puts it this way, you were made on purpose for a purpose. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And it's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 through 11 says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in all different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, wise advice, special knowledge to another, faith to another, gift of healing, and he goes on. Verse 11 says, it is one and only spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You have received a gift that will edify and bring encouragement to the body of Christ. Every single one of you. And then this passage goes on to say about the physical body. How the foot can't say to the hand because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. I can't say to the ear because I'm not an ear, I'm not a part of the body. That's not how it works. Every single part matters. Every single thing matters to the kingdom of God. And just because you aren't called to preach or sing or run sound or anything like that doesn't mean that your gift is any less important to the kingdom of God. Every single one of you have a gift. It's not that we haven't received a gift. It's that we're not activating our gifts. How much better would the body of Christ be able to function when we all begin to activate the gift that was given to us? Not the gift that was given to your friend, but the gift that was given to you. We need to activate that gift. Which brings me to my second thing. Stir it up. Don't get lazy in your gifts. Remember, the ongoing existence of your gift is dependent on our obedience to stir it up. It's one thing to receive a gift. It's another thing to activate the gift. So my son got a new phone a few months ago, right? It was in a box. It was all nice and fancy. We hand him the box. Do you think he just took the box and put it next to his bed and said, thanks, mom and dad? No. You have to take it out. You have to activate it. You have to update it. You have to continually update it and update it and update it. <laughs> and, but it's ongoing, right? So it's one thing to receive a gift, but it's a whole other thing to activate your gift. It's not enough just to look at it. It's not enough just to say, thanks, God, for my gift, and then just sit there in church like, hmm, okay, this is great. No, we have to activate our gifts. So 
I love Christmas. If you know me, I love Christmas. In fact, there's 305 more days until Christmas comes again this year. <laughs> and I'm a huge, like, Hallmark fan, all that cheesy stuff, yes. So around Christmas, though, I don't know what it is about that month, I love to make hot chocolate. And I'm not talking about, like, the Swiss Miss and the stale, like, marshmallows. I'm not talking about that kind of hot chocolate. I'm talking about the real deal. Like, I love to get out the cocoa and the sugar and the milk and a little dash of vanilla. Um, I just love it. There's something about it. But the thing about making hot chocolate is I have to stand at the stove for about a good 10 minutes. Okay? I'm not, like, focused like that sometimes. I want to be doing a million things. But I have to stand there, and I put in the hot cocoa, or the cocoa and the sugar and the milk, and I have to stir, and I have to stir, and I have to stir. And my eight-year-old is going, ma! And I'm like, no, I can't leave the stove right now. I'm not coming. You know, so I have to keep stirring because what happens if I don't keep stirring the hot chocolate is the sugar begins to settle and it burns on the bottom. So in order to get some good hot chocolate, I have to keep stirring because I don't want burnt hot cocoa. And then once I keep stirring, it comes to a point that it's, yes, it's ready. I pour it in a, a cup, get some whip on there, and we are good to go. And another thing I like about the holidays, well, I don't like it. My husband actually likes it, is gravy. Who here is a gravy fan? Mm. I don't know what it is about gravy. I'm not like, I like it, but I'm not like, my husband, he's, he's the cook in our family, and he's a really good cook, but he wants to put gravy on everything. Like when I say everything, the other, just last week he made stir fry. He wanted to put gravy on stir fry. Like that's just nasty, okay? It's just gross. It's like, no. And I'm eating it. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. Okay. So the thing about gravy though is, right, you make it and you save it for the next day for your mashed potatoes. You put it in a container, you put it in the fridge. The next day, when you take that gravy out of the fridge, do you know what it looks like? It looks like it can move, like come alive or something, right? It looks like jello. And so you take it off and you're like trying to get it out of the container. But in order to make that gravy so it's edible again, you have to put it in the microwave. And then what do you gotta do? You gotta stir it up, stir it up. And metaphorically speaking, some of us are either burning our hot chocolate or we're getting nasty in the fridge because you're not doing anything, okay? <laughs> you're not doing anything with your gifts, and we have to be able to stir up our gifts. Galatians 6.9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the due time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. You gotta keep stirring. You gotta keep at it. It's one thing to receive a gift. It's another thing to activate it. The kingdom of God is in need of you to stir and activate your gift. You're not happy because you're not activating your gift. You feel like you're not being used because you're not activating your gift. You feel like you're stuck because you're not activating your gift. And three things are happening right now because some of you are called to like some crazy stuff. You know it. You've heard it at a young age. You felt like God was telling you for stuff that's big. And all you see is what's there. And you're like, okay, you got to start stirring what's right now. What are you stirring right now to help you get to that God dream that you have later? Some of the best preachers, evangelists, singers, everything like that, some of the best of them, they started out serving, activating their serving gift. Because every single one of us has that gift. Another thing that's happening is, man, Aaron, you keep telling me you have a gift, 
and I just don't see it. I just don't know what it is yet. That's okay. You start serving. <laughs> Promise you. Ask your teachers. Ask your professors. Ask your pastors. What can I do to serve? What needs help right now? How can I be used of God? Because in the midst of you serving and activating that gift, God will show you what your purpose is when you're activated in the kingdom of God. And then another thing that's happening is you are saving your gift. What are you saving it for? You guys are young. Now's the time. Don't save it. Start doing it now because God needs you. This college needs you to activate your gift. The church that you're part of needs you to activate your gift. So stir it up. You have a gift, stir it up. Another thing that as we stir up our gift is we become scared. And my third point is don't be scared. Oftentimes, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing because we get fearful. We allow circumstances to intimidate us. We allow people to intimidate us. And we allow our insecurities to intimidate us. Isn't it funny that right after Paul told Timothy to stir up your gift, what's the next verse? It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I find that very interesting because here he is in prison writing. He says, make sure to stir up the gift I've, that God has given you by the laying on of hands. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. Maybe because he knew that as soon as you start activating and stirring up your gift, some sort of fear comes over you. You get a little scared. You might fail. You might look a little stupid. You might not feel right. But God's spirit is in us. His spirit can help, help us overcome anything. We need to start being stirred by faith and not shaken by our circumstance. And so many times we look at our circumstance and we're not stirred by the faith that is in every single one of us. Another type of fear that we may have is fear of failure and fear of the unknown. So like I said, I'm a cheesy Hallmark fan. I love all the shows. And one night I was watching a show called Chesapeake Shores and there were two friends. They were catching up on lunch and the one friend looked at her, her friend and says, hey, have you finished your vision board yet? I'm sure all of you know what a vision board is. You get a big old like post, poster size board and you put everything that you want to do and accomplish that year in life and it's all right there for you to see. And the girl's like, no, I just, I haven't finished it yet. And she's like, well, well you need to finish it. What are you afraid of? And the girl says, well, I know who I was. I know who I am now, but I just don't know what's next. So when I watched this, um, it was probably around, I think it was in November, and it was like one of those seasons where you just, you know, you go through those seasons where you're just not hearing from God, like you're trying and nothing's like coming, you know, so I'm watching this show, just kind of sitting on my couch, not doing anything, and she says that, well, I know who I was, I know who I am now, I just don't know what's next. And I literally felt God, like, speaking to me through this scene. I was like, yeah, that's right. That's, that's me right now. What you got now, God, right? Like, I know who I was 20 years ago. I'm not that person anymore. I know who I am now. Like, I know I'm kind of maneuvering through life right now. I just, I don't know what's next, God. I don't have a vision. And so the girl looks back at her, and he, she says, could it be that you're afraid to figure it out? And I was like, okay, God, I see you. <laughs> Because I felt like that was me. He was saying, could it be that you're just afraid to find out who I have for you, for what you're going to do next? 
We don't want to voice our vision. We don't want to voice, you know, what we think maybe God has for us because we're afraid to find out. We're afraid we won't fill the shoes that, you know, the potential that everyone says we have. So we kind of back up and we're like, I don't know. Don't be afraid to find out who God really has for you to be because who he has for you to be is needed. He created you because he wants you that way. And so you got to step into that calling. Don't be afraid of it. Some of you haven't activated your gifting because you're scared. You're scared you're not good enough. You're scared your voice won't be heard. You're scared you're going to be rejected. You're scared the fear won't go away. And I have news for you. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do it afraid. Sometimes you will get rejected, but you keep moving forward anyway. Sometimes your voice won't be heard, but as long as you're doing what God told you to do, you keep moving forward. You keep activating your gift. You keep stirring it up. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Listen to what he says, not what the world says. So you have a gift. Don't be scared. Stir it up. And the last point is live out loud. Now, this is very important when you have a gift to live out loud for God. 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 9 says, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the, before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. We are called to live a holy life. The word holy there is hagios. Of course, I would mess that up at a college, Bible college. <laughs> and what that means, oh good, it's up there so you can write it down and figure out the pronunciation later. Um, what that means is different from the world, like the Lord, to be set apart. We are called to be different. We are called to be set apart. Your life, and I'm sure you've heard this, but I'm going to remind you again, your life is a living, moving, active sermon. Everywhere you go is a sermon. Everything you do says who you are and who God is in you. What kind of life makes a good sermon? Are you ready? It's very, very good. It's actually very simple. The kind of life that reflects the fact that you are a child of God. That's what makes a good sermon. That's what makes your life a good sermon. When you know whose you are, when you walk out with confidence, knowing whose you are, knowing that God is within you, knowing that he has called you and set you apart for a purpose, that's the kind of life that makes a good sermon. That alone will stand out in the world. I love how Joyce Myers puts it. She says, there's no need for you to walk around with your six-pack of Bibles and covered head-to-toe with bumper stickers. All you need to do is let your light shine. That's all you need to do. I tell my kids all the time, make right choices even when it's hard. 
make right choices even when it's hard. I tell their friends that too. My son does cross country and he came up one night after a, a meet and he said, Ma, I just want to stay and hang out with Spencer. And I said, okay, make good choices when, even when it's hard. I know, Mom. And I look at his friend, you too, make good choices even when it's hard. And he's like looking at me like, who are you? Like, but it's so true. You have to live your life like that even when it's hard. What's your character like? Who are you behind closed doors? Are you still set apart for him? Are you standing out in the best way possible? So like, like I said, I'm a dance teacher, and we have 100 kids. And about a quarter of those kids, 25 of those kids, they're on our competition team. And they have to try out, and they have to take more classes than just the rec, rec kids. And so we go to competition. Our first one is actually this uh, weekend. But what I love about going... And the dance world, if you don't know it, it's crazy. Like, it really is crazy. So there's lots and lots and lots of kids there. It takes a whole weekend to do the competition. So you're, you go up and you go in front of judges that are known around the dance world in America. And they critique your dances. They write stuff down. Some of them have a microphone, and you can listen to them critique your dance as the kids are dancing. And they tell you what to improve on. They tell you what they like. They tell you what they don't like. And, and we pay money for this. It's great. So but what I, love, what I love about going to these dance competitions is, I kid you not, every year we go, because we are a Christian dance studio. We don't always dance to Christian songs, though. We dance to positive songs, but not always Christian songs. And everywhere, every time we go, I get this from a judge. Thank you for being so refreshing. Thank you for using moves that are appropriate. Thank you for having a light on stage. Oh, wait, you're representing something in this song? Really bring it. Own who you are. And to me, that's a win. To me, even if we don't get a gold or, you know, platinum top 10, that is a win right there because that's why we go. We go to show the dance world, like, you can still do your thing and do it appropriately. And so to me, when we can use our gifts that way, they, people will know that there's something different about you. There's something different about that person. They're not doing things the way the normal person does. What is it? What is it about them? It's because you're living your life focused on who God is in you. You're making right choices even when it's hard to do the other way. But you're making right choices because you know that's the right thing to do. Your talent will take you where your character won't sustain you. Listen to that. Your, your talent will take you where your character won't sustain you. You have to have the character to back it up. You can have this much talent in the world, and you can keep climbing that ladder, but if your character is poor, you're never going to get here. You're only going to get here. You have to have good character. You have to be true to who God is in your life. If you want to stand out for God, you need to be set apart for him. Ephesians 4.1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. 2 Timothy 2.19-24 says, But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, The Lord knows who are his. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. The enemy will always come and try to knock you down. You know that. But you have to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. 
That's when we get into trouble. When something comes against us, we're like, oh, I got to get ready. I got to go pray. I got to go read my Bible. What am I going to do? But what if you were doing all that stuff all along? What if you were just living out loud all along? What if you knew you were set apart all along? Then when the enemy comes at you, you're like, not today, Satan. Not today. It's not happening. Because he'll keep trying. The moment you use and activate your gifts and begin to stir him up, he'll always try. But you got to stand strong in who God has made you to be. Toby Mack, I'm sure most of you know him. He's been doing his thing for 20-something years. Even if you don't like his music, you have to respect a man that has made it so long in the Christian industry and found other people to do their thing. I'm sure you all know he lost his son right before Christmas, right? Those are the moments everybody's watching a Christian singer, let me tell you that. All eyes were on him. Oh, now what's he going to say? Now what's he going to do? Is his faith really real? And this is what he says after he lost his son. I think it was like not even a day after. He wrote, we don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with him. Like, we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him. It's our honor. He is the God of the hills and valleys, and he is beautiful above all things. That's the kind of living that makes you set apart. That's the kind of living that makes you different from the world. Knowing that he's still serving and loving God after the most tragic thing that could ever happen to a father happened. He's still loving God. He's set apart. He knows who he is. Set your life apart by being all in for him. All in. I know that you just got back from break and maybe some, you know, things happened during break. You got to be all in. All in. Do you ever hear the story about the fence? So there's a fence. Let's say it's going this way. And everyone's lined up on the fence and they're just kind of chilling. Jesus comes along and he says, all right, everybody who wants to follow me, come with me. And so people get up off the fence and they go this way. There's still some people on the fence, and the devil comes along, and he says, all right, everybody who wants to come with me, come with me. So people get up, and they follow him. There's one person still on the fence, and they're just sitting there. They're just enjoying their day. A few hours later, the devil comes back. He says, come on, let's go. And this guy says, no, I didn't, I didn't choose him, and I didn't choose you. And the devil looks at him and says, yeah, but I own the fence. you got to go all in. You can't just sit on the fence thinking that it's, it's going to be okay. You have to live out loud, using your gifts for him, being set apart for him, continually stirring up and activating the gift that God has given to you. You were created for significance, not just survival. Not just survival. You were created to make a difference. You were created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. You have a gift. You have a gift to stir it up. Don't be scared and begin to live out loud. Will you guys stand with me? We're going to pray today together. And if you will, just repeat after me as we pray. Just lift up your hands if you want to. Close your eyes. And just really begin to search and ask God, God, I know you've given me a gift. Help me to use it. Just repeat these words. God, I give you every part of my life. I give you my gifts. I give you my talents. Help me to use them to honor you. 
Help me to stir them up. Help me not to be scared. And help me to live out loud. God, I just thank you for every person here today. I thank you for the gifts that you have given them. I just pray that as we move forward, God, that you begin to help activate the gifts that are within them. God, that they wouldn't be scared of who you've created them to be, that they would know that they were created with a significant purpose in mind. And I just thank you, God, that we were all created in a unique way by you and that we're loved by you, that you love us enough to give us those gifts, God. Help us to move forward and be who you've called us to be in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.